This is the Acting Up Podcast with your host, Allie Goodman. Hey friends, welcome to Acting Up, a backstage pass to the life of a working actor and mom raising a kid with special needs. So I wanted to expand a little bit about the last episode where we talked about uh, the diagnosis and like what led up to that and like all the, you know, stuff around all of that. And I wanted to kind of pinpoint something that um, I didn't really touch on at all in the last episode. And that's in the meantime of all of this going down, um, I am working as a as a professional actor, um, mostly in voiceover, but not exclusively. And as a matter of fact, in 2016, um, I had, so in, let's see, it was, so it was June of 2016, I had booked and recorded five voiceovers uh, at that point. And then I, and then in August of that year, I had started rehearsals for a one woman show I was understudying, and I knew I was going to perform and go on for. Yeah. So there was a lot going on in my life on a creative level, which was great. Um, But that just on top of getting this diagnosis and then trying to navigate through all of the craziness was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. And I was struggling with here I was now this person who had decided had figured that we had attempted twice. We were not going to be a we were going to be a one a one uh, child family. And now this child had all of these issues. But at the time, I was still in this like, I wouldn't call it denial. I wasn't in denial. We weren't, we we were pretty clear about what we were facing to some degree. But because Jackson had exhibited so many non-typical classic signs and so many people had missed it, in, for example, in EI or whatever, and it basically told us, oh, we don't, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he had been in school for, you know, in preschool and they didn't say anything. Like, we just, we thought, well, maybe he has some sort of a milder case of this. Of course, when the report came out, they don't talk about it in terms of mild and severe. Um, and to this day, I actually am grateful for that because you can, you'll hear people talk about words like high functioning or low functioning or severe or whatever. And it doesn't really work in the world of this this diagnosis. And that's because the gaps are different for every kid. So uh, I'll give you an example. Jackson um, met a little boy at the clinic that he goes to. Sweet little boy. Absolutely adorable. Um, verbal, able to read, um, all of these things. But one of the struggles that his mother was frustrated with him all the time is that here's this kid. He's he's in a regular kindergarten with a, you know, a part-time aide. He's able to communicate and get his needs met and all of these things. And then the kid can't figure out which shoe is the wrong shoe or the right shoe. So he's constantly putting his shoes on wrong. And you think to yourself, well, okay, he understands the concept of doing the, the, all of these other more complex things. Why is this such a such a 
sticking point for him. So then you start going through your brain, okay, is it defiance? Is he doing it on purpose? Is he trying to get attention? You you start randomly assigning all of these motives that are probably not there. Maybe they are. Who knows? Um, But you don't have answers, and therefore you have this frustration. Um, So the gaps are interesting. Um, In Jackson's case, for example, this is a kid, he always will figure out which shoe is the right right and wrong shoe. Even if he he puts the wrong shoe on a foot, he will go, "Uh uh-oh, wrong foot, or you know, switch it immediately. He doesn't, that doesn't bother him. Yet this kid will consistently put his underwear on backwards and it does bother him. And it bothers us because we know that it's the wrong way. But it's so funny to me that like, just as an example, these are two things. And then also we've had to basically empty Jackson's room. And I'll get into this in another episode later to talk about what we've had to do for his room. But we've had to empty his room of anything that he can climb on because he's figured out how to create things to step on to get to the things that he shouldn't be touching. Um, In so much that we've had to take out big stuffed animals and we've had to tie his mattress down because he was taking his mattress, folding it in half so that he was tall enough to reach things on a shelf. And yet I can't get my kid to tell me what he ate for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or what was in his sandwich, or what doesn't belong if you've got four fruits and a chair. It's amazing to me, right? So when I say that the gaps are, you you don't know what they are right away, it's true. We have no idea where he's going to excel and where he's going to have issues, and it's not the same for any kid. Like every kid is different, and every gap is different, and every where we have to fill in, where we have to, you know, work is different. And that's why it's such a broad diagnosis and why there's so many, so much confusion about it, because a lot of times they're responding. And when I say they, I'm talking about insurance and I'm talking about diagnoses are responding to the result of our experience, our being the parents, neurotypical people or people that are caretakers of these kids, whether it's teachers or doctors or whomever. Um, It's our experience with them, not necessarily the experience they're having inside of themselves, Um, which is which actually brings me to a point I'd like to pause and say, I am coming. This podcast is coming from the the point of view of a parent with a child on the spectrum who also has a comorbidity of ADHD. I am a parent. I am not an autistic. I do not. I am not a person with autism. And I am not here to speak for people with autism or an autistic. Everybody identifies differently. So I want to make sure I cover all the bases. And I'm not representing my child. I am representing myself as a parent, experiencing what I see is going on with my child, trying to learn to communicate with him, trying to get him to be as productive a person in society, um, a productive part of our family, and at the same time, not 100% losing myself in the process. So let's talk a little bit about where I started this, which was the overwhelm and, and where I was in my artistic world. So we had made this decision, one child, okay, fine. Um, now I'm going to put all my focus in. So he was at a point where here he was now going to, he was in, in preschool and 
he had been in classes before and he seemed to be, you know, drop off classes, I should say. So he seemed to be doing okay on his own and, 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 and working well with a classroom. And so I figured, okay, he's, he's fine. Um, and then once we got the diagnosis and our doctor and everyone was saying ABA is great therapy, I looked into that and it just so happened that the stars aligned for us that the clinic that we were looking into that did not have a waiting list was the closest to our house, had a great reputation. I I met somebody who worked there. So there were like all of these excellent, perfect storms of situations. Um, I will get into the nightmare that was fighting with insurance to get my kid into therapy in another episode too, because that is a very involved and long story. But suffice it to say, the first three months that he went into therapy, which I'm so glad we did, because um, not only did he make incredible progress, uh, I, I would be really bummed had we not had those first three months. I needed them. He needed them. And it was important. But we spent 15 grand out of pocket because insurance would not pay for one cent of therapy. So... Um, but again, I will talk about that in another episode, but just as a, you know, little teaser to how it all comes out, um, this ain't cheap. So, <laughs> um, but I want to talk a little bit about the creative situation. So he's young, okay, right? He's three and a half. He's not, he, you know, I'm in the middle of of reigniting my career. It never really went away for me. Um, yes, I had some some stop gaps in, in my, I mean... Let's be honest, the acting career is never a, you know, linear process. You know, sometimes you have jumps, sometimes you have dips, sometimes you have droughts, sometimes you have lots of pouring rain that brings you lots of gifts. It, it really, you, you never know and you can't bank on anything. So you just ride the wave when it comes and you kind of just look for the best place to go put your surfboard when you don't. And you try to fulfill yourself in a creative way when you don't have those moments. Um, well, imagine that I'm now so I'm now in a situation where I'm having a nice bump in creative endeavors. Uh, And this is, you know, after a lot of grief and a lot of frustration and a lot of things I had started to re uh, had sort of what I would call my like, renaissance. So I started working again in theater. um, And here I was understudying I this was now my second understudy role that I had done um, for an equity show. Um, the first one was um, I understudied two roles, never went on. This one was a one-woman show, and I knew I was going on, um, and it was for one of my close friends. And so I was super excited but also terrified because I had to learn an entire play alone on stage. That is a terrifying thing to do. Um, also one of the best experiences of my life because of what – you know, I basically proved to myself that I could do it. So talk about feeling like kick-ass and um, just – pulling all of this out in the midst of all of this diagnosisness. So, uh, and again, I was still kind of in a bargaining stage. I was still kind of in eh, maybe even a little bit of a denial that this was as bad as I was, you know, assuming. So maybe that's what got me through because the year ended fairly well for me. I had a fairly, you know, strong uh, um acting stuff happening for me because I auditioned for another show and I ended up getting hired. I don't think I found this out until the following year, but um, I ended up getting hired as an understudy for two roles 
and then ended up going on for one of them for five performances, which was one of the best theater experiences that I've ever had in a show. One of the most inclusive and beautiful productions uh, I've ever been a part of. And that was Picnic with American Theater Company, which is now sadly defunct. Um, so I was I was pretty heartbroken about that. <clears throat> but um, um, super incredible experience going on for those performances. So, uh, But <clears throat> that being said, in the meantime... We're just trying to stay afloat, figure things out, try to get him into therapy, and I'm trying to build this career um, and and not let the momentum fall. Because as I'm in rehearsal and, and my husband, John, is trying to, you know, watch Jackson and, you know, also work and, you know, try to we're, – we're just kind of trying to navigate so many different layers of this. And then you have this situation where you think people don't understand. So we thought – well, the one thing we didn't want to do, because we would see this come up a lot, we didn't want to deal with, we didn't want to shy away from anything. We thought, this is nothing to feel shameful about. This is a diagnosis, like anything else. People should know, because right now, you might not be able to, it's sort of considered an invisible uh, uh, di- disorder because you can't see it necessarily. It's not, there's no defining features unless you happen to be in with a, uh, uh, with someone who's stimming or going through someone having a meltdown or one of those situations. And even then, it's not always e- easy to tell, is it a meltdown? Is it a tantrum? Is it a defiant child? Or is it somebody who just really is, their their brain is wired differently. So it's, we decided that we were going to get ahead of that whole experience and we were going to announce it. Um, and so we did a Facebook Live I believe we did a Facebook Live. I mean, we have recorded the video in advance and then posted it, but it doesn't matter. And we told everybody about the diagnosis. And that was before we had an ADHD diagnosis, though we all suspected it was there. But he was way too young to to diagnose for that. But we did have an autism diagnosis. And so his his uh, diagnosis diagnoses at the time were autism spectrum disorder, sensory processing disorder, and a speech and language disorder. Um Future diagnoses eyes <laughs> end up being uh, he also has hypotonia, which is low tone, and he also um, has ADHD. So those are where we're at right now in his process. But as far as where we were then, the, we had the the three diagnoses um, that we were dealing with, and immediately the doctor said therapy. We highly recommend ABA which is, if you don't know what ABA is, it's Applied Behavioral Analysis. If you Google ABA, you see a lot of controversy about it. Um, Back in the day, a lot of the, I will say, the practices did a lot of averse uh, um, reinforcement, so a lot of punishment reinforcement. That does not happen anymore, or it does not happen at our facility. Um, Negative reinforcement is doesn't help. Positive reinforcement helps. So a lot of what they do is teach positive reward reinforcement and then repetitive uh, information. And most of it's taken down with data. So that's where the science comes in. That's why it's supported. That's why insurance pays for it. Um, and our particular facility really works to engage more social groups to make that uh, a big deal. Because hello, 
so many reasons that kids are diagnosed is because they have so poor social skills or they do not have social skills at all. Jackson's a great example of that. People were furniture to him for a very long time. He would walk by and he would just push you out of the way. Or he would ignore you or he'd trip over you because people were like inanimate objects to him. They didn't matter. He was beelining to whatever the one thing was he wanted to do or see or look at or whatever or obsess over. And people were just, unless you were the thing he was obsessing over, you were in the way and you were nothing important. So teaching those social interactions was, you know, its own has been its own process. So in order to teach kids how to play, teach them how to interact, teach them how to play with each other so it's not always parallel play, that's a process and that's part of the therapy. So our clinic is very – when I say our clinic, I don't mean I personally own a clinic. I should be clear about that. I mean the clinic we take Jackson to is very uh, uh, social group for, forward in that they work very hard to make sure that there are opportunities for interaction, hence why – I opted to have a clinic setting. There's a lot of ABA that's done in your own home. You can do that too. And sometimes you'll even do both, a mixture of both, where you have the kids at the clinic and then they'll do home visits so you can generalize things in the house. Um, We've done very minimal home visits because for us, most of the work can be done. And then Jackson's a great example of Jackson being a kid that is atypical of what you typically see in in, oh gosh, in a neurodiverse situation, neurodiverse being kids on the spectrum or kids that have, you know, diversity in their brain, neuro, um, Jackson generalizes very well. So he'll learn something at the clinic and then he can take it home um, or take it to another place quickly. Um, whereas there are a lot of kids that they're taught something at the clinic by one particular therapist, then they have to be taught by a different therapist at the clinic. Then they have to move to a different room in the clinic by a different therapist. You do see what I'm saying? So it has to build on each other. Jackson's not really like that. Once he masters something and learns it, anyone can teach it to him, work with him on it. And for in general, he can take it with pretty much anybody. So whether it's at home with us or whether it's out in public or whether it's in the clinic or whether it's in a separate room in the clinic or a different place or whatever, he's generalized it to all all areas, which is really pretty cool, actually. So um, it's nice that he has that as his uh, as as a skill that he's grasped um, that can that can be a very big frustration for a lot of parents with kids on the spectrum is that the generalization piece is hard to deal with. So um, the so as far as my focus, um, I all of a sudden went from, great, I'm starting this new renaissance of my career to, oh, my God, now I have to split my focus. Um, and on top of that, I was I was also still part of a uh, an at-home business that I'd been building for six years and um, a fitness business that I got out of actually the following year. And I thought it was because I was just totally, I mean, yes, this is true. I was done with the business. I didn't want to do it anymore. It wasn't serving me. It wasn't filling me in any particular way. And it wasn't serving us monetarily in a way that was so necessary. But it was also because I didn't realize how much stress I was under and how much focus I had to put on that business to be strong and a good leader for my team versus where I needed to be putting my focus, which was on my family and on my career, which you'll see, you know, as we go down this road, has taken its own 
toll of how do I navigate my own career, my own passion, my own, I've been doing this since I was four years old, business that I've built as a working professional actor. How do I continue to do this and run my kid to therapy? And I don't just mean a therapy. Just to give you an idea of what my life looks like now, and I'm not even going to bring in the baby who's now new to the family. Let's just Let's just take it from Jackson alone. This is what my life looks like. Get him dressed in the morning, get him breakfast, get him ready for school, walk him to the bus stop. You would think that they would work hard to help us have a bus stop that was close to our house so that I could just basically send him outside and he could just get on the bus or walk with him out down to the bottom of our driveway. No, we have to go down the street and he's the only kid at the bus stop. So there's no reason why they couldn't turn this around and make him have a bus stop in front of his house. But I digress. Um, But I want him to take the bus. It's good for him. But he has an aide on the bus. So I obviously can't just leave the five or the six-year-old standing at the bus stop by himself, right? So I have to go with him. We walk to the bus stop. He gets on the bus with the aide. He sits down. He goes to school. Then he's at school on Mondays and Fridays. He's there until one. Then I load up the car. I pick him up. I take him to therapy. And then he's in therapy from 1.30 to 6.30. Great. That's Mondays and Fridays. Tuesdays, he goes to school. He's there until 3. I pick him up. I take him up to therapy. I take him to therapy. He's in therapy from 3.30 to 6.30. Fine. Wednesdays, he goes to school. I pick him up at 3 o'clock or a little before 3. He goes to speech therapy out in town far away from not even not far away but like 20 minutes away take him to speech therapy he's there until five yeah and then i take him home then on uh thursdays he has school in the morning i pick him up at 12 30 i drive him to that same far away you know 25 minutes away therapy he's there for three hours he does therapy there from ot PT and speech, OT is occupational therapy, PT is physical therapy, and then speech therapy. Then I take him from there and I bring him back to his ABA therapy, and he's there from 4.45 till 6.30. And then we've talked about Fridays. That's that's what I'm doing. Now, try to navigate within that auditions and voiceover auditions where I'm alone and can actually have it quiet in the house to be able to record my auditions and excuse me and um or be able to find somebody who can watch and now with this case I have the baby watch the baby and I can run to an audition in the city which is not close you know and I don't live in the city anymore so there's all of these pieces to navigate and it can make you a little crazy um I will say that I'm grateful for self tapes I'm grateful that I cannot record auditions from home for voiceover because they that changes my life as far as time-wise. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so this is so, so chaos. Chaos and overwhelm and lots of struggle through the whole process. But I will say, I will say, there are days that are better than others. There are days that are very frustrating. There are some auditions that I just don't get to do. I'm very lucky that I have incredibly understanding and lovable agents who know that I'm committed, who know that I would never turn something down unless it was 
completely necessary, i.e. don't have coverage for somebody to pick up my kid, somebody to watch the baby. There's always there's there. I would never just flake on an audition. This is this is a serious career for me. So it's it's very hard. Sometimes my self-care is that I get to audition. Sometimes that's the self-care. It's not getting a massage or a manicure or getting my hair cut and color. <laughs> oh my gosh, I need to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes the, the self-care is, can I get everybody out of the house for 20 minutes and record a podcast episode? Sometimes the self-care is, can I get, can I, can I send my husband with the baby out the door just into the yard so that I can record this three-line audition so I can get it in on time because then maybe I can book that job. Because when I book that job, when I book that job, that is the ultimate, that's the high I live on. That's the, the golden moment that takes me through those days that are really, really, really hard. And I haven't really talked much about the struggle yet because we're not quite there yet in the, I mean, if we're talking about, I know I said we were not going chronologically, but if we're really talking about the beginning of this story, the struggles were there, but they were not bad yet. The struggles today are massively different. Um, And it's because he's getting bigger and he's getting older and he's starting to recognize different emotions and we expect more of him and everyone around him expects more of him because he's six and he's not three and a half. So, yeah, lots to uh, lots to go through, lots to talk about. So, all right, I'm going to end here for now. But uh, I wanted to just say, if you're going through this right now, um, look, the whole point of this is to build a community and to build people that are here for you and, and a way for us to just chat about this so that we're bringing in more awareness, sure, but also we we know that we're not alone and that we that that we can do this we can get through this and we can do this no matter how hard it is you don't have to give up who you are whatever that passion piece is for you you don't have to give it up because you have a child that is not typical because you because your future doesn't look the same as somebody else's you don't have to give up what is important to you so we got to go through how to how to make that the case. And I'll tell you, I am a work in progress on this. I don't have all the answers, but I'm working through it. And I am hands down not going to give that piece up. I won't do it. I just won't. It's too much of who I am. So that's that's where we're at today. If you want to find me, you can find me on uh, social media. I'm on Facebook, Allie Real to Real. So that's Allie, A-L-I, R-E-A-L-T-O-R-E-E-L. So if you look that up, you can find me and we can continue this discussion. Um, If there's enough of us, I can always like do like a break off group within that page and we can all use that as a place to discuss. But for now, just find me on there. You can DM me or you can just, you know, comment on some on one of my posts or, you know, post something yourself is fine. And then if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Allie, A-L-I underscore Goodman. And on Instagram, you can go back to that alley reel to reel, find me there. And you can always DM me there too. Um, Those are usually the three places that I'm the most available. I have a Gmail. If you desperately want a Gmail account uh, to, you know, email me, just let me know. And I can, you know, just DM me in one of those spots and I can give you that Gmail and we can communicate via email if that's easier. But otherwise, that's it. Um, Thanks so much, everyone. Hang in there. It's all going to be okay. Okay.